the Lord and I, we had about a five hour conversation <laughs> on our way to Nashville, Tennessee. I've been trying to prepare this little boy, little Cooper. I think he's doing more for me than I could ever do for him. I just feel like God wants to do something great, and I don't want to limit God in any way, and I don't know God's plans, and I don't know how it'll all turn out. But I sing song after song from Noblesville to Nashville. And I just felt like the Lord wants to do something, but we got to ask. And it's not just for Cooper. It's also for Big Mike. It's also for Miss Kay. It's also for Teresa's family. It's also for Melissa and Scott. All right, guys, let's go to Philippians chapter one. Philippians chapter one. Again, hopefully just a very simple uh, idea message. Let's go through the scripture and then we'll just do a, a brief review here in just a second, okay? Philippians 1, first off, in verses 9 through 11, the scripture says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of and the praise of God. I want to also read Philippians chapter 2. If you want to turn over a page or two in your Bible, go to Philippians 2, and let's look at verses 12 through 16. And I want you to see again this phrase of pure and blameless. Philippians 2, verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Okay. So what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks is praying for one another, right? Last week we started in verse nine and our truth was that we would pray that our love would abound. We know that we have loving people here. Amen. You guys, I just think it's amazing to be part of a group of people who have so much love for each other but it can grow and it can be more. And so we prayed for abounding love. And then last week, if you remember, we talked about two areas, knowledge and discernment. We want to pray for our church family that they would love, but they would love with knowledge. It wouldn't just be a feeling, but it would be based in truth. That is real love, right? And then we also talked about that you would love with discernment, that you would love and you would know what to do. Today is a terribly hard day for me in a lot of different ways. I have a friend who passed away a few weeks ago, and I want to be at his funeral, but they're having it so far away, I couldn't be in two places at once. 
And so I had to ask the Lord what to do. And I have to have confidence to do what he wants me to do. Right. And you guys will have some decisions like that this week. Won't you? You'll have some hard choices and it may be some things that this is a good thing. And this is a good thing, but you've got to figure out what God wants you to do in that thing. And so what I'm trying to encourage you today is to look around this room and think about even the people that aren't here, but that, you know, and love and to pray that God will give them a discerning love that they'll know the service that they need to do. Can we do all the services that God puts before us? Some of you try and then you fall over, don't you? <laughs> Amen. I can't be all the places where I see need. So I have to listen to the Lord to do what he wants me to do. Well, today I want us to, to really focus on doing greater things and try to be able to see what the greater things are. And I really want to challenge you with this. And this is where the Lord's kind of working in my heart too. In order to do some things really well, sometimes that means you have to set aside other things. But sometimes we just try to put one over on other people. Let me tell you this story about a man who was trying to put one over on some people. John Robert Bruce, he was 57. He was charged with obstruction of justice in Barron County, Minnesota in December after reporting that he had been mugged in a robbery in the parking lot of the St. Croix Casino in Turtle Lake. Bruce appeared to have been beaten up, but he was apparently unaware that a parking lot surveillance camera had recorded the entire incident. Bruce was seen returning to his truck after losing $50 gambling. Then walking over to a light pole, he banged his head against it three or four times, and reaching down for some dirt and gravel, he smeared it against his face. Then still on camera, he checked his look in the truck's mirror, apparently was not satisfied, and smashed his head several more times before returning to the casino and reporting the robbery. The prosecutor said, in this profession, it's hard to be surprised anymore. Here's a person who thought they were putting one over on the casino, right? Putting one over. Here's what I want to challenge you today. You cannot put one over on the Lord. Did you guys, you guys did Adam and Eve in your Sunday school. Is that true this morning? Right. And what did Adam and Eve do? They took the fruit and it's the blame game after that. Right. I love what Adam says. He says, Lord, the woman you put here. So not only is he blaming his wife, he's kind of blaming God as well, isn't he? Right. It's not my fault. And what's the woman say? The devil made me do it. The serpent did it, right? And so we had a pretty good lesson in our lesson. It was kind of interesting. We saw that the, the snake before the sin happened, it, it didn't have any legs painted on it. And it probably should have, right? Because the curse hadn't happened yet. And what we find out is once that they transgress against the Lord, what happens? Their shame and their guilt cause them to go and to hide from the Lord as he comes in the cool of the day. They tried to put one over on the Lord, and it cost them dearly. You guys, such a simple word of truth today. If you honor the Lord, he will lift you up. If you disregard the truth of the Lord, you will face his consequences. That's such a clear thing. All right, this morning, here's what I want us to focus on. So back into Philippians chapter 1, and then in verse 10, we want to improve things that are excellent, that we can be sincere and without offense, or that we can be pure 
and blameless. The first thing we want to think about this morning, we're just going to look at two simple things. The first one is holiness, true holiness. King James uses the word um, sincere in its uh, translation of this passage. When we think of the word purity and sincerity, especially concerning the context of this verse, this is the other word that I think should come to our minds, and that is holy. Now, let me ask you this morning, who is able to stand before a holy God? Can you or I stand before a holy God? No. Um, I was thinking, again, the Lord's just been working in my heart so much this week. I, I almost wondered if, if we should even evacuate this sanctuary, this space, and only come in to pray. Now, we're not going to do that. But I was thinking about the idea of this should be a house and a place of prayer. Amen. And there should be a sense of when we come and encounter a holy God that we do with the utmost sincerity, the utmost purity, the utmost reverence, the utmost humility. And sometimes I think we can be so lax before the Lord or we don't recognize who he really is and who we're in the presence of. Who is able to stand before the holy Lord? Well, here's the truth. We know this. No one can stand before God without the blood of Jesus. So briefly this morning, what is holiness? Holiness is mentioned 557 times in the King James Bible as holy and 43 times as holiness. Love is mentioned only 447 times. Kind of interesting, right? That you have this, even holiness is mentioned more. And I want to be careful with this today, and I hope that you'll hear me out this morning but I think this is where the Lord would challenge us as we pray for one another to be sincere, to be pure, to be holy. Here's what he's really pressing on us. As a young person, I thought holy had mostly to do with your outward activity, behavior, and appearance. All right. As a young person, I thought holy was how you dressed. It was the words you said. It was the words that you didn't say. It was basically in my mind, being nice and being holy were kind of the same thing. And I want to tell you today that, that I don't believe that is the case. Holiness is more than just not doing a bunch of bad things, so to speak. Holiness is more also than the opposite when we think about, and that's doing great deeds for God. So some would say, oh, this person has a large church, or this woman, she wins a lot of souls, or this man, he prays really well, or this woman, she gives so much. But holiness is more than activity. It's more than service. Uh, and if you will, bear with me just this morning, it is more than a moment of Christ-likeness, though that seems to be our best effort most of the time. And let me be careful with this today as well. Holiness is so much more than talking a good game or praying a good game. Look at this here on the screen. Holiness is living the pure life and the love of Jesus in a sin-stricken world. Holiness is when you live out Jesus in your world. Um, do you know that there's people in our community who've never heard the story of Adam and Eve. Think about that for a second. You know how I know that? Because I told it to someone this morning who had never heard it before. Hello? 
we are going to have to be Jesus to the people around us because the world isn't going to tell them even stories that we know to be common. Holiness is living the pure life and the love of Jesus in a sin-stricken world. As Paul said there in Philippians 2, shining like stars in a crooked and a corrupt generation. That is what holiness is. Look at this quote here this morning from Evelyn Underhill. And I think this will really convey it even better than I can say it. Evelyn says the real mark of spiritual triumph, the possession of that more lovely, more abundant life, which we discern in moments of deep prayer is not an abstraction from this world, but a return to it. A willing use of its condition as material for the expression of love. Look here. There is nothing high-minded about Christian holiness. It is most at home in the slum, in the street, and in the hospital ward. Are you tracking with that yet this morning? This is important. I'm afraid sometimes we have set up holiness to be something that is like the robes you're wearing or the, the clothes that you're wearing. Sometimes we've set up holiness to be that we don't go to these places and do those things. And so that makes us better than other people. We, we begin to look at other people. We begin to judge them, right? Well, I would never do that. I'm closer than you are. I, I would never see that. I'm, I would never say that. I'm better than you are. And that is not holiness. That is arrogance. Are you hearing the Lord today? <laughs> this, what I think is so good about this, this quote is that some people think holiness is an escape from the world. That holiness is, means that I'm not going to be uh, touching the world and I'm going to leave the world. I'm going to escape into some sort of special place or space or thing in my mind where I'm just, just me and God and that's where holiness is. But what Evelyn says here, I think so clearly, is that holiness is at most home where? in the slum, in the street, and in the hospital ward. When God invades you and when you are being holy is when you are pursuing him with all your heart. And usually that means you end up loving people in some of the strangest places around. You might end up in the Hamilton County Jail. <laughs> you might end up at Servant's Heart. You may end up at a nursing home. You may end up at a NICU. You may end up at a, a refugee or an immigrant center. Or you may end up with somebody just bringing you food every week that you're not really sure you want to eat. <laughs> Why is that? Because you're pursuing the Lord in the life that he gave you. That's holy. We have to forsake sin. Absolutely. We're not saying that this morning. But as we do that and we pursue the Lord, he will take the gifts you have and he will push you where he can use you. And that's a holy life. It's not about all the things you're not doing. It's about living out Jesus in front of all the people who need to see him in your life. Holiness in our church is going to start with you, with the individual. I want to challenge you today. Would you take time to be holy, to pursue what God has for you in the world? And here's what I want to challenge you today, especially is that you would pray for one another. Would you pray today that the people of this congregation that they would be pure and blameless till the day of Christ. We'll talk about till the day of Christ next week. Pray for one another. It is hard to be pure and blameless in this world, isn't it? Me and the boys this morning had some good conversation. It is not easy 
to pursue God in a corrupt world. We need to pray for one another, and we need to pray that God would keep us and make us pure, that he would make us holy. Second thing this morning, and that is to be blameless, to be blameless. What is it to be blameless? One of my favorite pictures of this is in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, where Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, you need good leaders. You need good leaders in your churches. You need good pastors. You need people who are going to make a difference. But if you're going to get the right kind of person, they need to be blameless. And I want you to notice he did not use the word perfect. Amen? You catch that? There's a big difference between blameless and perfect. Who is perfect? Only God. Only Jesus is perfect. But we can be blameless. We can be above reproach, to use some old-fashioned words. What does that mean, to be above reproach, to be blameless? Uh, to me, I, I like this picture. The, the, the picture that Paul gives to Timothy, he says, the overseer should be a man of blameless character. It describes a person of such character that no one can properly bring a charge against him. The kind of person that if someone said, did you hear, you would not believe it. Are you tracking with that? If someone came up to me and they said, we were in Kroger, and they said, ah, I ran into this guy last week when I was down at the hospital. He was the most rudest. He could not have been. He was the most inhospitable person. And his name was Sintel McCoonton. So you guys even laughed at it, right? You know why you laughed? Because we know that's not Sintel's character, right? We know his character. We know his reputation. Now, Sintel's not perfect. He's close. <laughs> Sintel's a good man, but he's not perfect. He will fall but he is blameless in that area of hospitality because that is God's gift and he is obeying the Lord to use that gift. Amen. You guys, we need to pray that the Lord help us to be blameless. Are you the kind of person that if somebody heard the rumor, they'd be like, there is no way that can be true. Are you the kind of person that somebody heard the rumor, they'd be like, I always thought that they, right? And here is the truth. The Lord calls us to be above reproach, to be blameless. And the only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to pray for each other to be blameless. Let me give you just a few biblical examples this morning, then we'll put all this together. In Genesis, in chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, who's, in the, who's the main character there in Genesis 6? What's his name? Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man and what? blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. You know the time that, that talk about a perverse and a corrupt generation, right? That's who Noah walked with. And yet God points out that Noah was a righteous and a blameless man among the people of his time. We, if you're looking for examples, we want to be like Noah. And most people would have called Noah crazy, wouldn't they? Right? You're doing what? Seriously? Why don't you come and, and party like the rest of us? And Noah said, I have a, a vision and a direction from the Lord, and nothing will prevent me from accomplishing that. Noah was blameless in a land of corruption, in a land full of sin, in a land so distraught that God would wipe it out with a flood. Noah was righteous, and he was blameless. He's an example. Second quick example this morning. That's a man by the name of Job, Job chapter 1. Look at verse 1 in Job 1.1. In the land of Uz, 
there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. And then look what it says. This is one of my favorite phrases about any person. What do we find out about Job? He what? He feared God and he shunned evil. Can I say something real quick? Please hear me out carefully this morning. We as a church need to hate evil again. That's not my words. We live in a culture that has taught us that any hate is wrong. And the word of God tells us that to hate evil is right. We need to once again be a people who fear God and who shun evil. And that's what Job did. And that's why he was a blameless man. I want to encourage you today as you pray for one another. And again, one of my friends uh, that really spoke to my heart when I was a younger preacher, his prayer would often be, Lord, help us to love the things you love and hate the things you hate. And that is a picture of a blameless and a righteous person. Let me read you just a few more scriptures that go along with this idea of blameless. Again, just as you pray for your brothers and sisters this week, pray that the Lord will make them pure. Pray the Lord will make them holy. Pray that the Lord will help them to be people above reproach and a people who make great decisions for his glory, a people who truly are blameless. Psalm chapter 19, verse 13. Again, hear the prayer of the psalmist. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Does God have power over sin? Praise the Lord. <laughs> he does, right? You're going to be facing difficulty this week in decisions. Pray for one another. Proverbs 11:5. The righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness, right? There's a direction and there's a path for those who will seek it. You guys, this is so good this morning. We were, uh, again, these boys, they get me going a little bit in Sunday school. We did 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And here's what I tried to convey to them. When Eve was taking the fruit, did she have to take the fruit? Was the temptation great? It was, right? It was good for food. Is it wrong for us to like good food? No, God made us that way, right? It was pleasing to the eye. Is it wrong to see something that's pleasing to the eye? No, but she wanted to possess it because she thought it would make her of more importance. And it was good to make her wise. She thought, if I eat of this, it will make me as God. That's what the devil told her, right? Now, here's the thing I want you to notice. 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 13 tells us that even when temptation is great, God will make a way out. Some people misuse that verse and they say, see, God won't give anything more than you can handle. No, what that verse is saying is, is there is temptation in your life to do wrong. Guess what? There's a way out of it. Here's what I told the boys. Here's what I think Adam and Eve both should have done. The first time the devil showed up and the devil said, you know what? I've got a deal for you. Did God really say? <laughs> I got a deal for you. You can be, did, is God really going to kill you? When the devil was speaking to Eve like that, all that she needed to do was to take that information and go back to the Lord and ask the Lord about the situation. Because if she'd asked the Lord about the situation, what would have happened? 
he'd have clarified the whole thing, right? The problem was even her mind thought, hmm, that sounds kind of good. You guys, this is where the prayer component comes in. Are you seeing it this morning? When the Lord tempts you, when the Lord pulls on you, when the sin is close, when you feel like, oh, I don't think I can handle this, that's the time we need to take ourselves back to the Lord and ask him about the situation because the Lord will provide a way out. Again, the righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them. Proverbs 28, verse 6, better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. Praise the Lord. I may never be the richest man. I may never be a rich man, but I can be a blameless man or a woman. You can be a blameless woman, and it's much better to be blameless than to be rich. Finally, Proverbs 11, verse 20. Look at here, about getting about the Lord and his character. The Lord detests men of perverse heart, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. Blameless means that you have to put aside sometimes good things for greater things. Let me close with this this morning, and then we'll have a time of prayer here today. Jeremiah Horrocks was a young English pastor who loved astronomy. He had made many wonderful discoveries about the stars, and although he loved studying the heavens, there was something else he felt was more important, to bring God's blessing to the flock that he pastored every Sunday morning. For many years, he had wanted to observe the planet Venus moving across the sun because it would advance an important piece of scientific investigation in which he was involved. Finally, after years of waiting, the moment was about to arrive. He knew that the event would occur the following week, and he began planning for the grand moment. But then when he checked his calendar for the big event, he realized it was going to occur on a Sunday. Late that Saturday night, he put away his telescope, and he laid aside all distracting thoughts. He went to church the next morning to preach as usual. Horrocks recorded this event in his diary in words that are now engraved on his tombstone in the Westminster Abbey. And here's what they say. Called aside to greater things which ought not to be neglected for the sake of subordinate pursuits. Isn't that good? You guys, there are so many things that are subordinate pursuits that will take your time, that will take your mind, your activity. It will take you away from what the Lord wants. And what I remind you today is we have been called aside to greater things, greater things. Okay, very simply this morning, I want to remind you from last week, have you been praying for someone's love to abound? Have you been praying that someone will be filled with knowledge and discernment? Have you been praying that they would discern the best things? Here's your task for this week. Look up on the screen there, you'll see. First off, pray for our and your church family to be holy. Again, not holier than thou, but truly holy, truly Christ in us and through us to love and serve the people around us. Pray that we would be holy. Pray that your church family would be pure and sincere, and that instead of just trying to get by, that our hearts would be seeking the very heart of God. Here's the challenge. Pray that we would become blameless that we will develop into the type of people who are known for making God-pleasing decisions. Oh, we need to help in that. Please pray for each other in that. Pray that our desire to please the Lord 
will dwarf any other desire that we have. And finally, pray that instead of a high-minded holiness that elevates oneself over others and judges and dismisses those around us, that we will be looking for Jesus in the slum and the street and the hospital ward, that we would be Jesus where he leads us this week. Let's stand this morning.